0: Welcome to Lost in Criterion. This week we're talking about nineteen fifty seven Ingrid Bergman's directorial masterpiece. No. Yeah. I... Seventh Seal. It is it is the movie that kicked off the American art house movement, really. Uh, there were a few stragglers earlier on, some Fellini that made it over. Um
1: I don't think this the Stragglers have really... to come first, Adam. Well, I
0: yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. They're they're what? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, ahead to, of their time uh, to coin a they were no, they were ahead of their time. This is this is one of the first movies that sort of introduced the idea to American hipsterati that one can stay up all night talking about a movie. <laughs> um, and that is an acceptable acceptable thing to do. So this movie this movie existing is the reason Pat and I are doing
1: what we do now. Literally, um, yeah, this is yeah, literally this without this the movie. Reason criterion Collection exists. Yeah, without this movie. And yet it's the 11th film in the list. Yeah, that's
0: okay. Some of the movies before it were better. Yes. Some sure. of them were much worse. And a lot of the movies coming after it, I'd rather watch this than ever watch again. Yes. And we've still got to go watch those. Hello, Armageddon.
1: Yes, man, that is going to be, what number is that? I can't remember. Like it's, it's within the first fifty, though. It's ter- it's, it's it's close. Terrifying. It's pretty close. Yeah.
0: Um. Anyway, uh, since we didn't do this yet, I am Adam Glass, and mm. this is my partner, John Patrick Owatari Dorgan. <laughs> I like I like how long we pause between that. We should we could time that better. I could probably just cut out the break when I actually no. edit this.
1: But I'm there not really going no to no editing in this at all. No.
0: No. What's, what's going to happen is I'm going to find our first interactive conversation piece. I'm going to line that up, and I'm just going to hope the rest of it lines
1: up. <laughs> it's gonna be, by the end of it, it's going to be a mess.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, of course I'm not going to do that. But I haven't started editing these yet. We are, we are just housekeeping. I think I mentioned this a few few episodes earlier. We're kind of getting a head start on these. So these aren't being recorded as they're being played for you. Obviously, it's not, it's not live. I don't think so you're an idiot, so... Of course it was pre-recorded. But we're actually, we're pre-recording. We're getting a little bit of a head start like pre-recording a least a large amount of time. Probably. A few months. A few months, probably. We haven't really decided when we're going to live with this yet. But we're going to try and get maybe, a pretty maybe good back. we plug. never
1: will. Maybe you're not even hearing this right now.
0: <laughs> maybe we're doing this completely uselessly for our own entertainment. Eh, good enough. Which is fine by me. Anyway. The Seventh Seal. Um, <laughs> I want to know what happened in uh, Psalm one through six. Oh, um, well, it's—I mean, I could actually get into this if you wanted me to. No, it's, please it's don't. A, a, it's a reference to Revelation,
1: right? Which I've uh, never read—the last so.
0: book of the Bible. huh, um, well, you're a sinner, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and many other things. Sodomite. Also. It's okay. I've—I've—I've I've, I've never read—I've never read Revelation itself, but I did read uh, all of the Left Behind books, so I'm pretty sure I <laughs> which know what happened. the
1: same thing. Yeah, practically. I've seen the one with Kirk Cameron, um, the movie.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've seen the if you've seen the movie with Kirk Cameron, I think you're, you know
1: everything about. If you've Revelation.
0: seen anything with Kirk Cameron. If you've seen anything with Kirk Cameron, <laughs> I think you're pretty good <laughs> on what Revelation has to say about the apocalypse. Uh, all we're, right, and we're already off topic. <laughs> and we're, off. and we're. Off. I think we're, no, we're, we're not setting not. a it's new record. in this one. Nah, it's it's not a new record. We. We we were certainly this off topic even even recently with Hard Boiled, That's I think true. we were this off topic. I think we were like off topic
1: off. before we started the podcast on that one. So
0: Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure as as we have joked about, the Armageddon one will be just as off topic. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Can't wait can't wait to talk about Armageddon. Yep.
1: Don't wanna miss a thing. Oh.
0: The Seventh Seal. Um, it, is, it is It is. a movie about death. It is an off-parodied and homaged movie. Uh, even Animaniacs had an episode devoted to a
1: parody of... <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Great? Here's the thing, though. It is a movie about death that I actually enjoy. And oh, that, yeah. And I want to explain this, okay? Because I have often ranted about the fact... As I'm sure you are aware Adam, of, of the, the the film's final destination. Yes. Okay. My primary problem with those films is that they are a film, in, in they are films in which the protagonist is death. Antagonist. Okay. Or the 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 antagonist. Oh yes, is death. antagonist oh yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry. A, antagonist is death. But which I find normally find atrocious. Yeah. Because basically what they have done is removed any character in well, that role. Like death has no meaning in it. But in this one we well, actually have death as as well, a character. Yeah. And I find it kind no, of that's that's it. the problem
0: with those movies isn't that the bad guy is death, it's that the bad guy isn't fa- death yeah. personified.
1: Well what, what I'm saying is it made me realize that I need to yeah. be more clear. Yeah. On my complaints yes. about final destination, which comes up often. Yes, <laughs> no, I'm sure it does. That, that, uh, that I need to be more clear that it's not the problem that death is the is the villain. It's that death is the villain with absolutely no yeah. person.
0: In this, we have we have a personification of death, and he's he's almost he is as silly as he is menacing in some ways. You know what? He is my favorite character. Oh, absolutely, so. absolutely.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, he. Well, you get the impression when he's not supposed to be the one that is your favorite to
0: watch. Not. No, I, you're like, right. I there. think Joff is Joff, probably Joff is on there. Joff and uh, then... John's the, the the squire is certainly supposed. Yeah. Supposed to be up there. There there are there are more easily re- relatable characters, though. You know, everybody's relatable in their own way because everybody's going through this this different aspects of this human struggle. Joff. Joff to his credit, I think the reason he's more of the protagonist than anyone else in the movie, and certainly the the audience stand in for the entire thing, is that he's not he's not letting the struggle get him down. Everybody else is very intent in the struggle. Even the very right, the yeah. very agnostic he's... Johns, the squire, is is still you know, he's he's worried about it. He's intellectually worried.
1: Well yeah, he's 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 uh, Joff is the only character who is not preoccupied. Yeah, with and and his wife and his son, obviously, but well, right. But they are extensions. Yeah, but of but they're them. basically in this film. They are an extension. Yeah. of him.
0: that family unit. I mean, which he, is which is why it's great is, that they are him. Why it's great that they're the only ones to survive <laughs> for for the time because they are still in a plague-ridden country <laughs>
1: they're also human which means they all well i'm i'm not so sure that these characters yeah, ever mean... die
0: that that's what i'm saying
1: okay no. okay no uh, they may be live forever yeah, they keep dodging death but death
0: death in this movie um our, our main character the knight whose name i can't remember offhand um <laughs> do you have that written down i have no idea um
1: to wikipedia you can do
0: that real quick your keyboard's quieter than mine is. Uh, the n-
1: yeah, I'll, I'll start. The night, on that, the night
0: challenges death to a game of chess, uh, and obviously this scene gets parodied a lot, even just in the challenge. the The whole movie takes place over the course of this game, um, uh, whereas most parodies kind of uh, condense it into into one thing. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, um, or bogus journey. No, it was excellent. It was Bogus Journeys. It was the second Bill and Ted movie. um, Where they played Death in a series of of games, including Battleship and Sorry, I believe. Um, A lot of of Hasbro in there.
1: (laughs) Oh, why isn't that in the Criterion Collection?
0: Ah, It's a classic of world cinema. (laughs) Anyway... um, now I get, I've distracted myself. So he challenges death to chess as a sort of chance at reprieve of death.
1: Antonius Block. Antonius
0: Block, yes. yes our knight, Knight Antonius Block, um, challenges death to a game of chess, thinking himself quite good at chess, and knowing, since he has seen paintings of death playing chess, uh, knowing that death likes chess. And this, that's actually, that painting is a painting that exists in a church uh, in, I think, Hungary. Uh, some of the background material I was reading. And that's what inspired Bergman to, to make the movie. It um, was a lot of classical um, medieval painting. More than medieval history, obviously. There's a bit of anachronism in this movie. And it's by no means a historical movie. No, it no. Is, if you're going in for history... Yeah, we are, telling, of we are telling a story... In, in a sort of mythical history.
1: Um, well, we're, yeah, well, we're, st- we're telling yeah. the story in in <laughs> what you get for the Middle Ages yeah. in most storytelling. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. It's the, it's the idealized mythical medieval era. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so.
0: Anyway, um, so he challenges Machess, and Ain't That Wonderful and, uh, Death accepts, I. Though uh, you know, pretty, pretty clear that there's no way this guy can win against death. Death still accepts, and it, there's there's a lot of great little. I mean, it's a very dark movie, obviously, because it's dealing with death. But there's a lot of great humor in it, and you know, you gotta have humor in the face of death. Um, is is a common human reaction to things, but it's very, it's a very funny movie at times. It is yeah. actually it's
1: it's it's more than just like humor in the face of death. Yeah. Though it is actually legitimately oh, amusing. yeah, movie. And there's like the writing is pretty good about that.
0: There's a there's a great there's a great little joke at the beginning where deciding who goes first, uh, Block holds up a pawn of each color in his hand, and Death chooses, um, and Death chooses the black pawn, and and Block says, "You chose black." And
1: death says, "Very appropriate, don't you think?" Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's very, it's it's. That's why I say, yeah. it, like, death is my favorite oh, yeah. death. Of the film. He's there's this wry humor about yeah. him where you can't really interpret him as a bad guy. Yeah, like which is which is what makes the film. Well, in my mind, one of the things that makes the film so interesting is the fact that he is the bad guy to all of them Yeah. but he is not a bad yeah. guy and that's I mean that's that's death he is their enemy and yet he is not yeah. their enemy death. he is not doing this from from out is, he is death he, it's, he it's is, his job yeah. it's it's what he does yes yeah. it, well, and, and, it, and it, it's a thing that must yeah, be, yeah it's a thing like, that must like, happen you know, he's just a very amusing character yeah. in my so, mind I, in the, he, they establish it very early well even the way he agrees mm-hmm. to chess yeah like he he does it in this sort of, like, way that says, well, if you want to. I mean, it's no skin off my yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, like, he's like, yeah, we can waste a little time.
0: <laughs> yeah. He says, Block uh, says, wait a minute. And, and Death says, they all say that. I grant no reprieves.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and they they start their game, and the game continues throughout the movie. Um, until the very last scene, where, where you know, and we'll get to that, where Death... Death tells him that he'll be in checkmate in the next move, and then leaves, and promises that when he comes back, he's taking them all with them. Um... But, in the meantime, Block wants his reprieve because he wants proof of God's existence, or at the very least of Satan's existence, uh, to prove to himself that there is something greater than the despair of humanity that he's seen. Um... And death, death offers no answers in that regard. Um, which is great, too, in its own way. I mean, this is very, this it's very philosophically straightforward, because it's things that everybody goes through, but, but the death here, despite being a personification of death, is still just death. Death offers no answers, because death can't, can't bring anything back. Um... He's just there. Yeah, he, he is, a,
1: he is a, basically a literal personification yeah. of a force. Yeah. Rather than like what we get a lot of times in other uh, fiction along these lines where death is something more. Yeah. This death is just a kind of... Yeah, just a personification of a thing that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and in that regard, death is, like I said, at the same time menacing... And um, and funny, like when when the leader of the acting troupe dies, he's in the forest and he's climbed a tree to avoid being eaten by a bear, explicitly, and then Death walks up, pulls out a big uh, hacksaw, and starts cutting down the tree. Oh, that
1: is so ridiculous!
0: Yeah. It's a ridiculous moment, and you know, and Death is sometimes ridiculous. A man climbing a tree to avoid being killed by a bear ends up in a tree that's cut down. That is that is the basis of every uh, Darwin Award,
1: <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, oh, and our in our in our acting troop member is certainly a qualifying member. Oh, of the, yes. Of the Darwin Awards, he is a moron. Yeah. Yeah, he's a moron. But it's great, it's great. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so throughout the movie, Block is traveling around looking for his answers, um, while his squire, the poncho to his uh, to his Don Quixote. Um, you know, because they they they're very. These guys are tropes. It's it's a quest movie, and it's the the. Well, upright knight trying to do good and just more down to earth squire who really understands what's going on. Um, it's not doing a lot new. No. Those are those are tropes that have existed no, since, that's very, since very ancient ro- <laughs> ancient romance romances. Mean, well,
1: one of the things in my one of my notes is uh, it's it's like a really per- it's like a really morbid Canterbury tale. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just as much it, that. It, but it's fine because that's not the point of the film anyway. Yeah, yeah,
0: no. Well, certainly so um Locke has he actually has two intentions one he wants to draw this out as long as he can to try and get answers before before he faces the ultimacy of death um but at the same time he wants to do one good certifiably good act
1: yeah he, does. he wants, it's really in that way kind of a really nice yeah film in that way too he is his goal is to do something after having basically committed wholescale slaughter yeah. he wants to in the name of what he thought was good yeah. he is trying to redeem himself with one decent yeah. purely positive action there's a
0: there's a great moment when when he presents this death has disguised himself as a priest and uh, Locke has entered the church um, and he he views the crucifix and he almost goes to pray but then doesn't and just goes to the confessional and death as the priest is there and he talks about you know what what he wants to achieve from his fight against death but he also talks about his actual strategy in it and he (laughs) he says you know he he, he says that he's going to use you know a combination of the bishop and the knight and and you know no man in our movie more than block knows what happens when you
1: use a combination of a bishop <laughs> yes, and a knight
0: combine combine religion and military force he's just come back from the crusades and it's an atrocity as far as he's concerned and as far as you know his fire is concerned too um but there's and, and still in that moment there's a great piece of humor because he, he presents his plan because he's confessing to a priest and, and death turns around and reveals himself and says, I'll remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really amusing moment. Yeah.
0: It is this this movie is simultaneously amusing and poignant in everything it does. And that's I mean, that's why you can stay up all night talking about this movie.
1: Um, well, yeah, that's why it's kicked yeah. off the art house movement, yeah. basically. It's... Yeah. Um. It, 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 unfortunately that also presents us with a problem in that We've got to talk got about it in an hour. Moron- well, it's not a lot that... I find that it is a great movie, and I really enjoyed it. And it was- it's maybe not quite at the level of 400 Blows for me, because that's yeah. still my favorite movie we have watched, and possibly my favorite movie ever. Yeah. But this was... It's so good, there's not a lot to talk about. I <laughs> find, a little bit. Maybe. When I maybe. was thinking about it while I was watching, It was like, there's not... So much of my life is based on complaints. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot to complain about. Well, it's yeah, not... yeah, that's that's, that's it, one it, problem. It very much achieves the goal that it set out to achieve. No one, and that's it. No you one wants I mean? to. Uh, no one wants doesn't. to
0: listen to us sing praise of a movie. Uh,
1: exactly. Yeah, we have to find something to complain about this film. And you know what I'm going to complain about <laughs> is what you brought up before we started recording. How is Antonius Block, the actor who plays that, only 27 years old? Yes,
0: the actor who plays The Knight is 27 man years old. 80. He looks 80. He looks, well, I mean, and that's why he's perfect casting for this. He is a man who oh, is, yeah. who is weary beyond his years.
1: Um, well, because, like, you know, I mean, maybe not 80, but he looks easily pushing his, his 40s, 50s. Midlife. Yeah. yeah. Which might as well be 80s in yeah. you know, whatever year this is supposed to be set at. Yeah. Really, but I mean, like he—it's—it's it's amazing. So, well, let's let's. Uh, there's a lot of
0: <laughs> there's a lot of interestingly like, good things that the movie does. Um, I really love how they change um, change our perspective. Um, like we're following we're following the knight and the squire up from the beach at the very beginning. Um, this beach, and the use of the coast is is a great image. It's, it's just sort of because we start on the coast looking at the sea. And it's just yeah. like the world is being created as we, out of out of this nothingness of the sea rises the land and the night and our story, um, and we end on the coast too, um, not quite directly, but we end on the cliffs above the coast. Um, yeah. But uh, but we're following the night, and you know we get our first image of the skull when the squire goes to ask this shepherd or whatever. Um, about where the inn is, and discovers that the it is just a dead body with sunken eyes and no more skin. Um, plague ridden. There's a great, there's a great little, you
1: know. Oh <laughs> yeah, I love what the squire says
0: about it. Yes, he was, he was quite elegant, but what he said was very depressing.
1: Um, yeah, it was. It, it's a great line. Yeah, like it's a great and line, and really kind of establishes the squire as. Irreverent. It's, yes. it's nice. It's good. Yeah, it does absolutely. a great job. In is, the first scene, we already know the personality of yeah, the squire.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, in one in one small conversation, we get his entire personality, which is a very irreverent agnosticism. Not really atheism, but it's not agnosticism. Um. Yeah, and he's set up as this intellectual. He says later, and it's, it's really great when he's talking to the uh, the. Uh, Prague, or porg or whatever the uh, the smithy, the
1: painter, or, oh, the blacksmith, the
0: blacksmith. Um, he and and the guy, he he says to John, he says, "Do we even do we believe what you're telling me?" And and John says, "Of course not. I never said I believed it, but I'm a I'm a learned <laughs> man. Ask me for a piece of advice, I'll give you two um, <laughs> <laughs> it, It's such a great moment. It's it's a really he's a great character. But, um, anyway, what I was at was we go from that scene and we follow them riding through the countryside a little bit and they pass the actor's, uh, cart, the the wagon that they're in and, you know, we just stop following the night and we go and we zoom in on the, on the actor. And almost all of the segues are like that. I mean, we don't just cut to something, we visually segue.
1: Yeah, we hand off, yeah. We
0: hand off things. Um... And then we are introduced to Joff and his wife and their boss and the baby. And Joff sees the Virgin Mary in a vision. And we learn that he has a lot of religious sorts of visions.
1: <laughs> he, has, he has a lot of also a lot of apparently quote-unquote visions. Yes. Which are just him lying. Yes. Yes,
0: indeed. His, his wife doesn't believe in any of them. But he sees the Virgin playing with the Christ child. And it's very weird that uh, when he recounts this to his wife, I think... I th- I found it interesting, uh, though I'm not entirely sure why. Even um, he recounts this with white and and says that he saw the Virgin, but he never mentions the baby. Um, he never yeah. saw, he never saw the Virgin and Christ. He just saw the Virgin. <laughs> the Virgin. And it's, it's it's weird, but at the same time, it's it's very clear in that and in you know we've already seen some things where this is even more clear. But obviously, the ch- I mentioned the chess with. Death came from a painting. Um, a lot of the imagery in this movie is just pulled straight from medieval paintings, um, and we meet we meet a few painters and obviously a lot of entertainers in this movie as well. But it's very that is, if there is any clear influence on this, it is the art of the period more than the period itself. But the Virgin Mary <laughs> that he sees is not is in no way any sort of traditional woman in a blue robe sort of thing that we see no, in most she's, she's
1: crowned and yeah. jeweled and
0: she, is, she is queen Mary Mary queen of heaven I suppose
1: yeah
0: is, is how Dante describes her and that's the sort of the sort of image we get here of her um, so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of he wears his influences on his sleeves <laughs> really it's in a way, this movie is a pastiche, uh, a tapestry of, of other things.
1: Of tapestries? Yes, yeah, it's a
0: tapestry of tapestries.
1: Um, but but that's... You know, it's really interesting, though, because, like, it is that, but it's, it really actually makes the movie stronger, oh, yeah. in my opinion, just because you, you can see that this is not an accurate representation of the period, very clearly and very easily, but rather a... Representation of the fantasy of the period. Yeah. Like yeah, this is what this is how they saw themselves. Because I mean, yeah, yeah you you see these things that are taken straight from the paintings and tapestries yeah. that are not realistic. Yeah. They're not what was happening, but it is what the fantasy of the time was. But
0: not just the fantasies, also the fears.
1: Yeah, exactly. You get the entire sort of yeah. well, yeah, the fantastical, yeah, imagery of the time.
0: Yeah, and and we we get that in our. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's just so many great lines and I, I quoted a lot of them in my notes. Like when he's talking to the priest, you know, he says, In our fear we make an idol and call it God. Um, just his his worry that there is no afterlife, that he's just cr- we've just created this idea of God for comfort. Um, you know, it's also it's obviously a very Postmodern nihilistic view of things, but it's still it's him searching, and and at the same time, Block is the only character, I mean not the only character, but obviously Joff is in there too, but he's he's one of the few characters, despite his fear and his questions, he still holds on to his religion. At the very end, when death has come for the whole lot of them, um, after you know they're they're at they're at uh, Block's house. Um, everyone else, you know, Block's wife is very accepting of death. And, you know, she's kind of establishes that because, you know, she's sat around at the house risking the plague, waiting for him to come back.
1: Right, for the last yeah. ten years. The
0: maid who, uh, the squire saved from, from, uh, the fellow trying to rape her, um, and then, you know, pulls her, pulls her along with him, um... Uh, she's very accepting of death, but she's had. She's
1: she's more than accepting. Yeah, she's, she's,
0: she's begging for it. She's. I mean, it's like yeah. the first word she say and she says, are, are accepting death at the very end. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, they, they're both there, and accepting, and the squire just, you know, it says try to have one last moment of triumph. Um, a man should feel immense, the immense triumph of his final moments when you can still roll your eyes and wiggle your toes. As Block is breaking down, begging God for mercy in prayer at the very last moments as death takes them. And it's it's... it's it's a really weird thing I want to I want to mention because it's kind of hard to notice, um, but the two characters there who are the most accepting of death, the ones absolutely, you know, waiting for it really, um, and that's that's the maid and Bloch's wife, aren't part of the dance at the end. Um,
1: oh, interesting. When the characters
0: yeah, when the characters are let off, we've got you know. Everyone who died in that final sequence, but not those two. Um, Block is there, and, and, and the squire's there, and the woodworkers, there, the, the the smith is there, and the smith's wife is there, um, but not those two. They're not they're not part of the dance macabre, because maybe I guess they weren't fighting it, and that's enough of a reason. It's...
1: Well, if you take if you take the dance at the end. As an analogy for the struggle against death, yeah. the people who don't struggle against death never dance the dance of death. Yeah, they just they don't need to live and die.
0: They just live and die, and then they go.
1: Whereas the people who fight it are dancing. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense. Although at the same time, I do find that I don't feel like the squire is against it. You get kind of from the very beginning the squire has given up he's that like he knows it's coming and is not prepared in the same way as the other people because the other people are so like the other the two women are very like yeah they're they're like begging at. for it but he he is obviously almost from the moment we see him no longer cares he understands he is, the absurdity he's of ambivalent. it yeah. he's. I don't think he's ambivalent he, he to death. He doesn't want to die, but...
0: He loves life, but he, he understands the absurdity of life. Right. He would but rather he's, not he's die. He's got
1: that sort of hedonistic sort of, yeah. I'm going to enjoy this because I know it won't last. And yeah. I, like, at the same time, I feel like following the analogy of those who fight it are the ones who dance, the dance macabre, and those who yeah. don't are the ones who don't, right? But yeah. he doesn't... Fight it per se. He just rolls along. You know what I mean. He's like, well, I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here, and then he yeah. don't. He doesn't fight like Antonius fights it at the end. He yeah. attempts. He turns to his religion and you know begs for mercy, right? But the squire is like, well, enjoy the last second, guys. So I don't. I don't know if it, at that point maybe our analogy of the dance macabre at the end. Falls apart a little bit because I don't feel like he danced the dance macabre. He just. It's like he more like know. he watched from the sidelines. He's a, a wallflower <laughs> in the dance macabre. I, I don't know. I,
0: I still feel like, you know, even accepting as as the finalities as he is, that doesn't mean he actively seeks them.
1: That's true. I guess, I mean, he he hasn't embraced death, he's just yeah. accepted that it is a certainty that he's not going to fight. Yeah. I don't know, it's complicated in the fact that like, I'm not sure about the concept because like, the two women at the end seem to have embraced it, but that alone is the most depressing thing in the world. Yeah. No, that is <laughs> like, 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 the Squires' attitude is at least somewhat reasonable in that he understands, he has made amends of the fact that like this is going to happen. Whereas they are actively seeking it. Um you can almost see it, especially in the the maid who gets rescued. She sees death and is just delighted by the fact that it's over. Yeah. And that alone is a depressing thing to think about. But no, it certainly. fits with the time period, I suppose. If you have lived with death surrounding you at all times, it mm. kind of can be seen as relief. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird
0: <laughs> if your if your choices are are death or almost daily rape uh, in a plague infested uh,
1: nightmare world. Yeah, nightmare world. Maybe so.
0: uh, maybe death. Is maybe a death. Welcome option. There's certainly people. There's certainly people who would welcome death.
1: Um, and yeah, this, and, and uh, there were certainly people who did. It's just yeah. you know, it's just really, it it. I for one have a little bit of trouble making the that final. Now that you point, I did. I missed that, but making that final dance,
0: yeah,
1: even out one hundred percent with the way I interpreted the characters. Yeah. So. Right. But also, again, um, what is it? Joff is also. Hallucinate, so (laughs) yeah, maybe it's not. And (laughs) that's that's
0: the other thing. Maybe you know Joff, John. Maybe the wife's not there because Joff never met the wife, and this is just his hallucination. So why should she be there? He doesn't know she exists. And the maid is there because she never made an impression on Joff. They never really interacted because she never talked.
1: Exactly. He's only seeing the people he knows.
0: Yeah, he's seeing the people he knows. The people he interacted with. So, you know, at the same time, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it means nothing, and it just means that we're seeing Joff's perspective and Joff's dreaming again, and this isn't really happening, and Joff's crazy. And uh-huh. even,
1: even, if, even if Joff isn't crazy, they're also not relevant characters. <laughs> yeah. They're also not very important. Like, uh. we, we get the lady, we get the maid, is basically there just to show us how awful things are. Yeah. And the wife is there to show us... You know, I don't even know. <laughs> well, uh, she wife is there.
0: She does. Uh, she she pulls in one. You know, there's the recurring, the recurring symbolism of looking into a face, and and um, she reminds Block of his humanity. I think is what.
1: Okay, why, yeah. Why she's really
0: there because because Block he has described. Talks about... Yeah, he's described his face as empty, like his like his heart earlier, and she reminds him that the only way she knows um that it's him is by looking into his face and seeing mm-hmm. seeing what's still there um, yeah so, so you I mean, know she's, she's, well, she serves she a narrative is... point go ahead she serves a narrative point in that um, and and obviously she she pulls that symbolism there too but I think I think in a way it's the wife's fault that block at the end still, Holds to his religion, even even in the last moments. I I mean, obviously, she was vaguely religious. She's the one who reads Revelation, the the verses. That the movie takes as, the title from supper
1: time reading.
0: Yeah, the supper the great supper time reading of of Revelation. It's weird, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's the, the it's symbolism within the movie thematically weird. appropriate, but not something I feel that anyone would logically actually do. Um, Yeah. If for no other reason than be illegal for her to own a Bible. Uh, Well, there you go. Yay, historical accuracy. Um, But, yeah. Um, Antonius, throughout the entire movie, interrogates pretty much anyone he can um, about the nature of death. Um, So when they meet that witch, um, everyone says that she's evil and she's had relations with the devil uh, so they're going to burn her. Uh, he, he questions her and wants to know whether or not she's she's uh, actually seen the devil because if she has actually seen the devil that'll be proof enough that there's something greater something beyond humanity that that he can hold on to because the devil proves God to an extent um or at least with his religion there are there are religions that have the devil and no god. They're weird ones.
1: Well, but, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, he's... But, but as far as Christian he's concerned, and, yeah, yeah, he, he takes, devil, I mean, it's not a huge logical yeah. leap for him to go yeah, through.
0: exactly. So he, and again, we, we get a moment where he looks into her eyes uh, as she's saying, Can't you see him? He's all around. Um, and, and he looks into her eyes and sees that same nothingness that he feels and knows that she's just mad. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, driven mad by, you know, whether or not she was crazy beforehand. She's cer- yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly now she's...
1: Tortured her enough yeah. to make her crazy.
0: She's reflecting the ideas of, of the soldiers and the monks who have punished her, that she is in, cohorte- in cohorts with the devil and he is always near her, holding her hand and pulling her along. Um... Which is why they break her hands, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Why <laughs> Yeah,
1: very. Uh,
0: that character is very depressing because she's uh, she's obviously meant to be, and they refer to her as a child at some points. And she's obviously meant to be young, but they they put her through the ringer, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I. That's one of those moments in the film when they go through that a couple of times because she follows them for quite some time. Like, we encounter her multiple times. Yeah. Uh, the
0: the procession of them going to burn her follow uh, meets up with them when they're in the woods. Yeah.
1: And she's interesting just because she kind of goes towards that proving that sort of futility thing that we get into throughout the film at times about, like, kind of almost kind of proving the points of this the, the squire makes like i mean like there's this woman who is being basically tortured for no reason yeah and like obviously if you're dealing with it if from a historical accuracy standpoint she isn't being tortured for no reason but because the film in a sort of wink wink nudge nudge way especially through the squire acknowledges that the that the watchers are not of this time period. Makes it clear that this is pointless. You know, yeah. Am I making sense? I don't know if I'm making sense. But yeah, basically like... The film through The Squire. I especially feel through The Squire. But also through Death a little bit. Acknowledges that the viewers are not... Actively part of this culture. Right? And so... They see this as pointless. And they they go out of their way to show that this this murderer this torture and murder of this woman is pointless and meaningless yeah, and terrible
0: yeah there's a lot of terrible people in this movie
1: there are but I mean it's just that one's really striking because even the way that Squire talks about her but also like the way that uh, Mm -hmm. even Antonius talks about her with this total like they're almost outside. We, yeah. we, at that point, we get to see that they are not a part of this culture, either. Yeah. And because that's... everybody else in the movie is convinced that she's a witch. Well, not everybody yeah. else, but every, all the side characters who are going to burn her are yeah. adamant that she's a witch. But these two characters who are basically set up as just as much outsiders as we are. Yeah. When dealing with this, the madness of their own home.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know it's 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 established that they're doing this. They've convinced themselves that she's caused the plague, and just like right. the people whipping themselves, this is them trying to get back in God's good graces. Um, and you know that's that's really the point of the whole seventh seal thing is heaven. Heaven is silent for this half hour. Um, this age, God isn't speaking to anyone, um, and God isn't answering any of their questions. And God isn't responding as they call out to God. Um, it's the very nihilistic portion of this movie, but, um, but at the same time, she's convinced by it just as much, and that's really, really weird. And that's why John's uh, John he doesn't save her. The squire doesn't. You know, he right, says, because there's nothing to save. Yeah. Yeah. He says he he considered killing all the soldiers but then he looked at her and he saw in her eyes he, he knew there was nothing left to say she was his daughter yeah
1: and and that's but at the same time both johns and antonius's the way they regard her is not in my mind ac- is not meant to be accurate to what the way people would react at that time yeah. it's meant to no it's,
0: absolutely it's right. meant
1: to show us the way we are supposed to react to her
0: yeah yeah no I think you're absolutely right um yeah she was weird
1: yeah but you know um it's a weird movie yeah I mean for for goodness sakes there's a guy playing chess with the devil or not the devil sorry with death
0: a guy playing a devil who looks like Dwight D. Eisenhower we wind up yes
1: I and is like apparently like eight feet tall from the way they shoot this film
0: yes as, no, it's wonderful. He's, he's great. He's very. I just wish it was. Very I wish it had,
1: I think we should remake the film exactly, scene for scene, but replace the chess with dueling banjos. <laughs> what do you think? Um, if it hasn't already. Well, been
0: done. Uh, it kinda has. The devil went down to Georgia.
1: Right, I understand that, but what I'm saying is yeah. that's not a film.
0: <laughs> You're right. I think there might have been a movie version of that though. Really? If there hasn't, there should have been.
1: Uh, but and if there isn't and if there is, I'm sure it's part of the Criterion Collection.
0: I hope so. I hope you can watch I'm the, com- the I'm film version that... of Charlie and Charlie Yeah. Daniels, the devil went down to Georgia. I'm convinced
1: the... that every movie is a part of the Criterion Collection. It's only got six hundred movies in it, but I'm convinced that every movie is part of it. Well,
0: yes. Until I've proven wrong like a story. Man versus nature, man versus himself—they're all the same thing,
1: right? Struggle, and every and every movie features a journey. Yeah, internal, external—that's
0: what this is. That's this movie is really just about the human condition,
1: right? Because you know, because <laughs> so every other about the movie human
0: condition. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> Forget the podcast, Adam. What we need to do is make a movie that's not about the human condition.
0: Um, it would have to be about an animal condition, or just a rock.
1: I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a picture of like a stick.
0: Well, people people have tried to make movies that aren't about human condition. because they're, they're not terrible.
1: then they're, the, yeah because they're not movies anymore. It's, it's I art, don't know. Okay, we're off topic. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, what were we so, talking about? Oh um, yeah, Seven Seal.
0: Yeah, we're talking about Seven Seal. That's what pretty we're doing. crazy movie, huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, um, I I do want to talk the the scene of the ending of the chess match. Where the knight has decided that the thing he's going to do, his his good deed is to get the uh, actors uh, and and the baby away.
1: Yeah, most importantly, the baby. I think. Yeah. You really now maybe this is just because I'm a father, but you I feel that like I felt that the knight that Antonius resonates with the baby most that he has to try to save the life of this child.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're
1: absolutely right. I, um, I wasn't sure if that was just me or the actual film. Yeah.
0: So we get this scene. They're camped in the woods, uh, and it's after the witch is burned, and we kind of we get this fade from the witch's fire to a cooking fire, and that's really disconcerting. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, Rommel arrives, and Rommel's the character who tried to rape the maid earlier and then tried to... Uh,
1: is also the one Killed who convinced the knight um, to go out yeah to and is also the, yeah yeah. he's, a he's the guy
0: he's the guy who when he was part of the seminary convinced the knight that he and the squire should go to basically Rommel is, is the source of all bad in the movie
1: yeah he um, is evil
0: he's the devil he's probably the one who convinced the priest that that woman was the devil uh, was a was a uh, you know uh, witch too you know, it wouldn't just, be surprised the, yeah. the way this goes. The way this goes, I'm surprised it kind of wasn't explicitly stated. Um, so he's he's previously um, the squire has branded him a scoundrel by cutting his face, and now he is plague infected, and runs up begging for water, and they don't help him.
1: And of course, honestly, death. that was probably the hardest part for me, just because. Somehow, maybe because my brain wasn't working properly, I did not immediately pick up on the fact that he was plague-ridden. Oh. Possibly because of the way the time in this movie flows, it seems like he got the plague overnight and died from it overnight. Yeah. And you yeah, need a little bit more like time it. than that. And that's yeah, why well, I he's... had trouble comprehending it. So
0: I feel like he says he has the plague. I don't remember explicitly. Maybe not. I may um, have
1: just not been paying attention. But none
0: of the, the fact they kind of let him die... Um, and he gets he gets his comeuppance there, I suppose, in that he's he's brought nothing but bad into the lives of the people he's now begging for help, and they don't help him. But, and yeah, and th- but as the thing is there's
1: nothing they can do for him anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, and there's nothing. The squire can... is not wrong. Yeah. It is useless. The man is clearly on yeah. his deathbed. Yeah, and it's interesting
0: that the the person you know who the only person out the group who tries to help him. Is the mute maid who, you know, the last time they met, he tried, very clearly tried to rape her.
1: Um, yeah, and it, it's weird also because, like, um, I guess I said, I have to amend what I said before. It is useless. They can't save him, but they could show mercy. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. And give
1: him a drink of water, but they don't.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, even just show him mercy by killing him faster. Yeah. They get, there's a lot of things they could do that they don't do um, yeah and it's interesting because of that I think it's very interesting that as he dies he's engulfed in this ray of sunshine the sun has just risen yeah and and death arrives with the sun as well because death arrives because Ramos just died but he died and he arrives to take the rest of them um, and he immediately, the first thing he does, sits down at the chessboard and takes the knight's queen, um, which, you know, kind of this significance of all is lost, um, and uh, and Joff sees death at that point. And this is this is one moment where we kind of have to know that that Joff's visions are, at least this one is real because we know, obviously, that Block is really playing chess with Death. I mean, as far as the narrative of the film goes. And Joff, Joff sees it, and he tries to tell his wife, and his wife doesn't believe him. And it's, it's kind of that commotion that convinces Antonius at last to, to save them more than anyone else. Um, so they have this conversation about escape, and uh, and Death says, nothing escapes me, no one escapes me. And that's when the knight creates a diversion by accidentally knocking the board, knocking over pieces, and and the family is given time to escape. And death, it's kind of hinted that death knows what's going on.
1: Yeah, because you do get this kind of a little yeah. bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that yeah. death
0: is letting this yeah. happen. As he tells him, he tells him that he'll be mated in the next move, and he asks, you know, did you enjoy your reprieve? Because at this point, you know, the family's escaped. So the reprieve, it's not just that the game's over. You know, Block has achieved his goals as far as he's concerned. So the reprieve is over in, in more than one way, and Death knows that. And that's why I really feel like Death death isn't after that family
1: himself. Right, and then you get into the fact that, like, you know, since Death is, in this movie, supposed to be purely a personification of a force. yeah. He has it's no not. plans. He has no intentions. Those yeah. who die, die. Those who don't die, don't die. But everybody dies yeah. eventually. So he says, he's not wrong when he says, nobody escapes me. Yeah. But at and it, the same time... And it's, it's,
0: it's meant to be menacing,
1: yeah, obviously, just, from our point of is, view. But it's not. Because it's just truth. And then, but they escape because they don't escape. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? They, they escape yeah. this moment, but it's meaningless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and And... Um, death in the next few bits of conversation, it kind of gets into that. Uh, and Block asks him if he'll tell him their secrets. Death says, "I have no secrets." He says, "You know nothing." Death says, "I have nothing to tell."
1: Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting thing because we don't often see death portrayed that way in this sort of fiction yeah. film, and it's it's actually really. I want to say refreshing, but it's kind of funny because this is filmed as much older than most of the more modern editions. But it is a refreshing take on an interpretation of death. The character is just—it's mostly.
0: It's refreshing because death still wins. Is really yeah
1: he wins, but he wins. Yeah, it's refreshing because he wins, but he doesn't win because he's just a force.
0: Yeah, it was—it was was
1: never more than reprieve it was never more than more time because he can't lose <laughs> you know what I mean because yeah Antonius Block is a human he's a living king yeah. and so he must die so there is no such thing as escape there's only reprieve and it, it, it's I love that character he's my, probably my favorite character he's certainly my yeah. favorite character in the film he's one of my favorite characters that we've seen so far is death,
0: yeah. No, he's 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 a great character, he's, and that's I mean that's why it's a very memorable portrayal, and that's why he shows up everywhere.
1: Well, and it's it's weird too because like I but I've never seen this film before. We watched it for this, and the film, the cover of the film, and everything about it is just so menacing. Yes, to the point where I never really had any desire to watch the film. <laughs> and was not not necessarily not looking forward to it because I know of its reputation as a great film, but I was expecting this this very well they're northern European you know I was like, oh gosh this is gonna be the most depressing thing I've ever seen, but it's not there's actually nothing depressing about this film I mean there are depressing moments but the end result is not depressing so yeah I don't know. Yeah,
0: no. It. Yeah, I understand. Understand what you're trying to say. It's.
1: Yeah, I'm not very clear.
0: I'm tired, but (laughs) it's fine. I'm very tired myself, and that's one problem with this Funk episode, is that we're both pretty tired right now.
1: But I mean, I you know, I mean, maybe I wasn't as eloquent as I wanted to be. But my point is simply that, the film. Creates an aura. An aura of sort of kind of this negative aura with the way it's shot sometimes Mm -hmm. but it's I I mean like the film is more of a celebration of death
0: yeah well not not necessarily celebration I'm trying to figure out some people are celebrating but but it's 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 an acceptance of death
1: yeah that's what I meant to say it's it's not yeah no, it's certainly true,
0: and the cinematography too. extent is is great. You know, it's it's menacing. It's menacing in its contrast, really. Um, I mean, like color, physically. Yeah, contrast. exactly. That's what I'm it's, saying. You everything turn on the film. Is, and all the blacks look at are very it. black. The whites are very white.
1: And Just it's, looking it's at the very... film, you think, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be." Yeah, it's stark. Yeah, but it's not, not really. Yeah. Basically, everybody nah. walks away happy. In a, in a certain way. I mean, like, Antonio's panics and starts praying for mercy at the end, but when he's in that chess game, he's triumphant. He's pleased with himself for having done this noble thing that he wanted to do, despite the fact that he didn't really do anything because Death wasn't intending, wasn't ready for them yet. So, but it's almost like a thing that Death just sort of gave him. Is like here, you're triumphant. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. That's how we're gonna end <laughs> every podcast. It's just, eh, it's weird. Eh, it's weird. Stuff's Let's shrug weird. and move on. Thing, things are weird. Stuff happens. This
0: movie's weird.
1: Well, I. It's very. I I understand why people stay up until four o'clock in the morning talking about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: hmm. Do you have any final thoughts, Adam? I don't. I don't really. Nothing, Do you have any more notes you words? want to talk about? Do you want to mention the fact that the monk in the village looks like Mel Brooks?
0: Oh, the monk leading the uh, procession of uh, self flagigators Yeah, um, is is themselves the trying to to beg for God's God. forgiveness.
1: Yeah. He does. the fitting looks... image of Mel Brooks <laughs> to the point where it, it really especially is. when you consider that there was a a movie called History of the World Part 1 in which he dresses as a monk, it's oh, it's too much.
0: Yes. No. It's I understand. Um but yeah. <laughs> do I have any other on, on that notes? note. No. Do you have either. anything else to say? No. I think we've made it through pretty much everything of mine. So, Seventh Seal. Two thumbs up. What a weird way to end this. Good night.
1: God bless. Good night.
0: I think Pat and I are
1: both going to bed now. Talk to you later. All right, bye.